All right, podcast number 22 of the Mongrel Punt podcast. Just doubling up on the word podcast to start the podcast there. <laughs> quite quite skilled by me. Um, brought to you proudly by no one. If you'd like to sponsor us, please give us a yell. We'll happily take cash, donations, gifts. Baked goods. Baked goods. Very, very high on the list of uh, things that go over well in the Mongrel household. Um, welcome, beautiful Mrs. Mongrel, with me yet again. Aww. Got me to eat some tofu on the weekend. She hid it in a curry. Very, very underhanded. And you ate it like a sucker. Well, look, we had a guest. I didn't want to just spit it all over the lounge room like I usually do, Linda Blair style. But you hid it in curry and you made up for it by... I gave you a starburst lolly. Yeah, one. Thanks. (laughs) Not a packet. One starburst lolly. I was... After eating tofu, I was actually that grateful to get a Starburst. I just chowed down on it like I was a feet, like it was a sugary feast. It's <laughs> pretty happy. Mrs. Mungrel, do you yeah. want to tell people about our wonderful membership options at the Mungrel Punt? Nah. Nah, I didn't think you would. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, we've just put out our wingman rankings, which we do every week. Uh, the defensive rankings going up tonight, hopefully, which is Monday night. No. Is it Monday? It's Tuesday night. It's Tuesday. I have no idea what day it is. At the best of times. <laughs> and even even worse at the moment. So they'll be out tonight. And uh, new leader in that. Just letting you know, first time in 10 weeks we've had someone overtake Harris Andrews at the top. And we'll be having our player rankings as well out at some point on Wednesday. Which is tomorrow. Because today is Tuesday. Well Look done, at me. you. So we had a bit of feedback for the podcast during the week. A couple yep. of people took the time to drop us a line and give us a bit of uh, feedback. First off, a very special shout out to my buddy Katie, who doesn't actually follow football but tunes in anyway. She That's just does dedication. It. It's because she hasn't seen you in so long. She's <laughs> like, ah, oh, this is my only form of communication with her. <laughs> and also, Radley, who was very encouraging about my interest in St Kilda. Well, he gave you a list. He did. A list of players. Uh, Jack Sinclair, big calves. I took exception to this because I have extraordinary calves. <laughs> and I've been paying attention to Jack Sinclair's calves. I don't like him much uh, at all. Rad- Radley knew how to get through to me. You yeah, see. yeah. He gave you. He understood. And I have to say, Radley, <laughs> it's not not been pleasant here. With Mrs. Mungrel swaying heavily towards St Kilda at the moment. Uh, even paying attention somewhat during the game the other day, I was like, hey, I was so glad you guys lost. <laughs> no, not too much, just a little bit of attention. So a bit about Vic Bias. Ooh, from? Hayden mm. noted that the word interstate does show Vic Bias because it's assuming Victoria is at the centre of everything. Is it not? Well, I initially thought, no way, because I'm always trying to leave the but state. the centre of coronavirus. <laughs> it is. That's what we're best at, yep. infecting people. We're just too competitive. Well, like, oh, no way, New South Wales. Ruby Princess, not a chance. We're not letting you have that. We're going Cedar Meats and we're going Towers in lockdown. You can't beat us. You just can't. We'll cough on anybody. That's right. I haven't been coughing on people at random. But I did um, look into Vic Bias a bit and I read a bit about unfair umpiring and unfair media focus and I read Nick Sluggett's very interesting article about Vic Bias. The Slugger? Yep. Because I actually Googled Vic Bias and <laughs> up came Sluggett. So I was like, oh, there we go. And it talked about the MCG and how the Eagles should have had a home grand final against Collingwood. 
And I was a bit shocked. Of course they should have. Why? What is happening? So do you know that the AFL has entered into a 40-year agreement with the MCG? Now, this is not in your notes, so you don't know. I don't. That's right. But they've entered into a 40-year contract with the MCG to play the grand final there every year. So irrespective of who finishes on top, look, I think it goes back to the fact that the MCC, which runs the MCG, has had the AFL over... Yeah. Sorry, and keep going. I'll just get you another one. And the, and the MPT <laughs> and, and, you know, OPP. So the MCC, Melbourne Cricket Club, runs the MCG. And they have a 100,000-seat capacity stadium. The AFL had VFL Park, which they end up calling Waverley, all that sort of stuff. But that that had about 75,000, 80,000 capacity seating. The grand final was played there in 1991 when the MCG was being repaired. Ever since then, the MCG is basically adamant that if you want the grand final or if you want access to the stadium, you have to play the grand final here. So it's the only stadium in the country, really, that holds 100,000 people. You have to... It's difficult because you've got to... They, they sell packages to this months in advance, grand final packages. So if you don't, have a venue locked in immediately, like an ongoing venue, it makes it really difficult to do that stuff. That's a cop-out. I understand that. But the AFL needs the MCC. They built Docklands. Boo! They built Docklands. And they they kept it at like 55,000 capacity seating because they had to appease the MCC as well. I'm not a fan of the MCC. I hate the whole, oh, I'm a Melbourne Cricket Club member or an MCC member. I've been waiting 15 years for my membership. I think it's a lot of entitled crap. I feel the same way about cricket as I do about jazz, so... Oh, you love it. The jazz <gasps> flute. Oh, God. <laughs> we watched Trolls, the the movie, and uh, you took a liking to that troll that was the jazz troll. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yodely yeah. troll was good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Hayden. So what do you think? You should. You think it should be played in Western Australia? Just without any other reasoning? Well, if if the Eagles were top of the ladder, shouldn't they have had the home grand final? Yes, they should have. Thank you. I agree. You agree with you? <laughs> Always. Yeah, it's very rare <laughs> that you uh, jump off your, your point of view. But I still don't know what to call people outside of our state when I live in Victoria. Yeah, and we just call them, them by, their, by their team name. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Non-Victorian? I don't know. Anyway, so then we had John, who wasn't thrilled by our Lynch pylon. Oh, and John, it wasn't a real pylon. No, no, John, I hear you with this. You hate but Lynch. the problem is, is that everyone else who's a little bit of a thug has either taken their mum to the Brownlow. Like Toby Green. Like my favourite Toby Green. Or is a little bit tipsy on camera. Dermot. And he's just so endearing. That he could just beat everybody up and I'd still be like, oh, it's Dermot. Now, you know, I'm a, I'm a Dermot fan. But one of the things that's really endearing to me post-career is the fact he laughs at his own jokes hysterically. <laughs> he gets the giggles up about his own jokes. I, I don't know. Anyone does that sort of stuff, personally. Us. We do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No one else laughs. <laughs> We're pretty embarrassing. <laughs> and I know that that has absolutely nothing to do with footy. And I realise, John, that's what I should really base my assessments on. But I don't have anything to do with football. I am only on this podcast because I live in this house. That's it. I let her live here. He lets me live here, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're picking up a little bit about football as we go. I mean, the other day you... Unwillingly. 
Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's kind of foisted upon you. You said something the other day when I was trying to dumb something down about football and you used the proper vernacular and I almost fell off the chair. Pretty good, eh? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, was I was quite surprised. I'm like, oh, wow, things are happening here. And um, yeah, look, <laughs> I, don't, lot, I don't think we, we piled on Lynch too much. I think he's been in the wars. He's had a couple, a couple of things go wrong. Well, I actually like John's reasoning as to why we were wrong. And although I did want to reassure John, it's not because of Tiger's success, which he wondered if we were piling on because they've been successful lately. And I mean, until St Kilda win the grand final, I'm going to hate every team equally. You got a long, long wait and And a lot of hate. I have a lot of hate inside me. This (laughs) can go on forever. Um, But we thought just to balance out last week, we're going to talk about some things we like about Richmond. Yep, whole segment just on the things we like. Except not Lynch. Well, you don't like Because I still him. don't like Lynch. Yeah. So, yeah. And yes, it's irrational, but let's go. Well, I'm guessing that your list will be more, well, and this is not a put down. Please don't throw anything at me. You have a hot coffee in front of you and I don't <laughs> want to wear it. More superficial things? Is that a fair that's, assessment? That's all I've got. All right, good. I just want to know what I'm playing with here. <laughs> I don't even know why you think I'd be offended by that. Well, occasionally you do research, and I'm like, well, maybe she has. No. (laughs) No. Off you go. You can go first. Cotchen's hair, and also his cleaning skills, because you told me a story about how he cleans up after games. I don't know if he does it all the time, but I have seen him do it. There you go. So the reasoning behind that was that, you know how they do the the Gatorade showers, and they throw cups and all that sort of stuff, and little bottles and all that sort of thing around? His reasoning was he didn't believe that they should be making that sort of mess and just leaving it for the Richmond cleaning staff to come in and and pack up. That's so good. Now, I have to admit, when I saw that, I was like, hey, that's that's just a decent bloke. Yeah. Um, I did think he dropped the ball last week when he started defending his missus' decision to go to, to a... defend his wife. Yeah, it's true. I, I have no question she wears the, wears the pants in that She's house. She's probably very upset. He's just gone into bat, so... But what, what about the hair? I don't understand the hair. Oh, it's just so thick. It's like it's like the feeling you get when you see a really good lawn, and it's springy <laughs> and thick and lush, and you just Can go... Can footprints in his hair? Yeah, you just think somebody did a, put a lot of effort into that. I think he does put a lot of effort into it daily, anyway, multiple times. Actually, do you think Gil McLaughlin has tried to emulate... He's trying so hard. Trent Cotchen's hair. failing because he's really stressed as well. And, it what, shows and what's happened face. to Scott Lysette? You liked his hair and then what happened? I don't know. What did happen? He grew that massive mu- handlebar mustache. He looks like he looks like the, one of the, he looks like Biff Tannen <gasps> from Back to the Future 3. No. Yeah, or Griff or whatever the hell his name it's was Biff. in that one. It's Biff again? Is it a Biff? In the Western oh, in one. the third one. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but know. I'm guessing it's, it rhymes with if because mm. they, they're pretty consistent like that. Um, so mine, a little bit more football related. The system they've created at Richmond, where they can basically lose a quality player and either develop another one to immediately slot in or bring another player, move them across, and they don't miss a beat, that's just been exceptional. They've been winning despite injury for two years. Last year, they had injuries all over the shop. They lost Alex Rance. They had people going down left, right, and center. And this year, it's been the same. They haven't had Hawley, they haven't had Edwards, they had Cochin Hurt, Prestia out, Asprey out, and they've just continually won. And I'm like, that's the sign of a really, really good team. So as much as people might think we're piling on, 
there's a lot of respect for the way Richmond's gone about it and the system that Damien Hardwick and his team have implemented. In, in fairness, people will think we're piling on because I did pile on. <laughs> no, we so, didn't. We're not I admitting did. to that. I will. Stop it. Stop admitting to things. <laughs> I like how Dustin Martin just shoves people away. Yeah, it's it's like good. the adult version of the three-year-old. No, mine. Yeah, just, he does. Woof. It's quite lovely. He just stiff I like it. Them. It's lovely, is it? it not is. for the person I that like pops it. it in the chin. <laughs> They don't think it's lovely, but I like the Jack Higgins story after being, you know, having a brain injury last year, having major surgery, having a massive scar on his head and playing AFL football again this year. I reckon he's 12 months away still from being the Jack Higgins that people thought he would be. But the fact that he went down with such a serious injury and that's not just career threatening, that's life threatening stuff. And to be able to come back and play again so quickly Great, great story. Really happy for that bloke. I hope he does great things. Mm. What, you don't agree? I think he's marvellous. Yeah, you like his interviews. I love it when he talks. The Hardwicks. I like the Hardwicks. I you like Mrs. You only know Hardwick. one of them. Yeah. You only know Mrs. Hardwick. She's like you. People only know you from reputation. And it's luckily for her, it's a good one. Please, please, <laughs> let's not put me in the same league as Mrs. Hardwick. Because well, what have you heard about well her? beyond. Oh, okay. Well thought, beyond me. Thought you heard some and nasty I also, stuff. I also like Ivan Soldo very much. What? Ivan Soldo? Yeah. Why? Because he looks like one of those old-timey strong men. There's a couple of people in the league that look like old-timey whatever. Joe Danaher okay. looks like an old-timey pi- uh, pilot. He does. Yeah, you can see him going, hello, Bell. I'm just going to go up in the old bird and fly around. Tickles my fancy. Anyway. Well, I've got one more. Oh. Yeah, oh. I didn't let you know. Okay. Richmond have just clocked over 100,000 members again this year. So, irrespective of what you think about the team or players, you've got to give a bit of credit to the supporters who ju- have just jumped on and refused to... You know, oh, I'm not paying my membership this year because of COVID. I don't want a refund. 100,000 again. They're the only team that's ever made 100,000 members. They're actually back in their club, aren't they? Well, they're not jumping off. Mm. Not by any stretch. Well, John, I hope that helps. Yeah, well, that's basically all we've got. So <laughs> the rest is all negative about, about Richmond. Uh, look, they were really good against Essendon on the weekend. And we'll get into that a little bit more. We are supposed to record this last night. And it just got to, you know, 10 o'clock-ish and you were looking a bit bit doughy-eyed and like, <laughs> kind of longing for the bed for all the wrong reasons. And uh, I just kind of made a call that we'd do it tonight. But I did watch North Melbourne and Collingwood. And during the weekend, there was a, a game by Jeremy McGovern for West Coast, which got rave reviews across the board. He was fantastic. We saw three really, really big defensive efforts on the weekend. One was by McGovern. One was by Luke Ryan at Fremantle, who may or may not be leading our Defensive Player of the Year award now. So not to give too much away, but it'll be published by the time this goes to air. So don't panic there, Mrs. Mungrel. <laughs> yes, I was so panicked. <laughs> you were. Look, I could see you fossicking around. That's what you do once you hit 35. You start fossicking. Oh, yeah. yeah and then, then you become a grandma and stuff and it's all downhill. You're fossick. The other big... <laughs> Thanks for plotting out my life there. That's all right. It's pretty <laughs> symmetrical. You know, and the other big, big defensive effort was from Darcy Moore, who had 15 spoils and 10 intercepts. We've been doing a little little notes in every, every game review when someone has a defensive double-double, which is double figures in either rebound 50s, spoils, or intercepts. 
Darcy Moore did it this week. Harris Andrews did it again this week, second time this year, I believe. Uh, doesn't happen that often. And only one bloke has ever done double figures in the three categories in history. And that's Robbie Tarrant of North Melbourne, who did, oh, it was something like 14 intercepts, 10 spoils, and 10 rebound 50s in the same game just last year. So if you want to look that up, a very impressive set of numbers. Um, North Melbourne, been playing Sean Higgins on the wing. Been all right, but tends to waste it a little bit. Jack Crisp was really, really good. And your buddy, Lord Pendleton, fantastic second half. <laughs> Absolutely sublime. And uh, when people uh, people ask about him, like, oh, how long can he go on? The way he looked last night, he looked like he's in his, in his third or fourth year. He looked so good and just controlled the game in the second half. I was like, geez, this guy could play forever. If his body holds up, he's going to be sitting at the top of probably four or five statistical categories by the time he retires. That's all time, not you know, for this year or last year or whatever. So handballs and I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll research them and I'll punch them out next week. But he's on target to be the number one player in about four all-time categories by the time he retires. Pretty bloody good. The Essendon-Richmond game, Mrs. Mungrel. Yes. Good. Essendon and Richmond. So we got a fair <laughs> bit of feedback uh, around this. One of our writers, Trent Adam Shields, lovely bloke, uh, wrote a pretty in-depth review of this game. Oh, yeah, people got real mad. Well, Essendon supporters got really mad because he was basically stating... There, there are a couple of incidents from this game where it looked as though Richmond players accentuated contact. That's a nice way of saying they staged. They've been cited by the AFL for staging and been offered fines. Uh, interestingly, both guys are challenging that and refuse to accept the penalty. So they're basically saying, no, the contact was there. We refuse to say that we staged. I think they see it as a blight on their character, and rightfully so. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the guy who's pretending to get free kicks. You know, it, it's it's a bit of a soft tag. It is. It's embarrassing. It is. It's the sort of stuff that was happening in, in soccer that the AFL players and supporters would look at that and go, that doesn't happen in our game. We don't do that. Yeah. And now it is. And it's happening often. There's something just a bit sly and, and grubby about it. Oh, look, I like sneakiness. I think it's a very yeah, underrated quality <laughs> sneakiness. There's nothing clever or... Well, the thing is... No, it doesn't seem sneaky to me. It just kind of seems... I feel like for I the umpires grumpy. in this regard because they're forced to make an instant decision. And if you see a guy careening out of the pack with his arms flailing around, which you've actually really liked because of those shooting star videos. Oh, they're uh, great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, We're going to give a guy, the guy a shout-out this week and we forgot who he is. I know he's a lead uh, digital creator at Triple M. So if you look him up, that's that's who he is. Congrats. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we will find out his name and talk about it. So I do like those videos. One of the decisions was a, a hold or a push against Jake Stringer on Dylan Grimes as Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody took a mark 20 metres out. So basically robbed them of a, a sure goal. I'm not sure Grimes would have got there to spoil it. He possibly could have. I do think Stringer held his arm prior to giving him a, a slight shove. And Grimes went flying off into the distance, won the free kick, and alleviated the pressure. The next one was Nick Floston, I think he pronounces it. He used to look like our neighbour Greg with the red beard. Gotcha. Um, and he accentuated some high contact from Bell Chambers, which looked to hit him in the shoulder, possibly the side of the neck, 
really, really glancingly. And he threw his head back and... Can, can you really get a soft whack in the neck? Oh, it was more <laughs> like the guy stuck his hand out and it made contact with his neck. He didn't thump him. Oh, okay. So, yeah, did it cost Essendon the game? No, it didn't. It didn't go anywhere near it. You've got a lot of Essendon fans saying, oh, that, that was the difference. Going inside the 50-metre arc, Richmond went inside 66 times. Essendon went inside 24 times. That's what cost them. If Richmond weren't wasteful, they would have belted them. Essendon just couldn't get the ball past half forward. I know Essendon fans are frustrated by it, but they've basically been treading water for years. The problem isn't the umpires here. The problem is their list management. They've gone out and got players like Dylan Scheel and Dev Smith. They really need to get an inside mid. They're just not doing it. Some guy was saying that you are biased against Essendon and that you always uh, diss them or something. People say a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think he should go back and have a read of our 2019 Anzac Day coverage where that game was pretty controversial around the free kicks that were given and weren't given. Uh, I think Essendon got absolutely slaughtered that day by the umpires, wrote about it, and on that day... I was biased against who? Collingwood. <laughs> that day, I had all these Collingwood fans coming out saying, you're biased against Collingwood. You're obviously an Essendon fan. Believe me, I am no Essendon fan. No, we are not. Yes, you don't Until like them. Until their house prices drop, I will hate them. Yeah. Anyway, we hate everybody. Yeah, equally. That's how we roll. So one of the other things that happened, Jake Stringer had a really, really quiet game. Uh, Trent commented in his review that Essendon will be looking at him wondering if he's worth the problems, worth the trouble, uh, or whether something along those lines. And one of the guys pointed out that he would have been leading the Essendon best and fairest after five or so games, uh, pointed to the things he does that help the team out. I had a quick look at this. After those games, he had 10 goals, but was only involved in 14 total scores. So that tells me that if he wasn't actually kicking the goal himself, he just wasn't involved at all. People have said he does a lot of the unrewarded stuff, the no-stat actions. So like running to block someone, they're actually called one percenters, and they are recorded. And prior to... I looked at the stats this morning, and for the season, he's had three. So if you want to reward goals and flashiness, I reckon Stringer's had a great... was having a great season. If you want to reward, I suppose, consistency and team play, not so much. He might do one or two things here and there, but he's not a consistent great team player. And for the record, Tom Lynch got off his third striking charge in two weeks. So, he got. did you know he got reported again? No. So he got reported again uh, for whacking Michael Hurley. It looked like half a push, half a punch to the, to the neck. Stop punching people's necks. No, 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 no. I actually, you don't like Lynch, but I'm on his side here, right? Ooh. He's facing the ball. The ball... Yeah, and, and Michael Hurley is not. Hurley's trying to hit him in the hand. The hand he broke about four weeks ago. So Hurley's trying to whack his hand, right? So in retaliation, Lynch kind of half pushes and half punches him. And Hurley throws his head back. And nothing really comes of it because the contact, contact is minimal. He was referred straight to the tribunal for that. No normal kind of sanctions that he'd usually get. Like, oh, it was high, it was intentional. Straight to the tribunal and summarily dismissed. So, well, I can't even. I'm Just, not a Lynch sympathizer. Obviously, our last week's podcast. <laughs> Lynch sympathizer is yeah. out where we are now. Oh, no. You know, 
Oh dear. It, it basically showed that we'll call it down the middle. If we think he's doing stuff wrong, he we'll has say to take it. his nan to the brown though. Maybe have to take both grandparents to the brown though. <laughs> uh, but I'm a big fan of looking after the guy facing the ball and trying to make the play, not the guy who's whacking him on the hand, trying to injure him and stop him. So, Mrs. Mungrel, last week we released our Round 12 All-Australian team. That was basically 12 riders all submitting their own teams. And poor old Matt O'Man was charged with compiling them and creating one cumulative team. So, cumulative the right word? You looked at me funny then. Just thinking that Composite? Your, your team can't possibly be as good as my super team, but keep going. Look, yeah, it's true. No one can beat your super team. Let's mm. just leave it there. We've got two more members of this super team coming up soon, so you can be the judge of that, people. So in my team, I had a bloke named Matt Taberner, right? And he plays for Fremantle, therefore doesn't get a lot of attention. Compared to a bloke like Charlie Dixon this year, Matt Taberner is basically almost his equal in every aspect, apart from the fact that Taberner hasn't come out and dominated one game. He's just been really consistent all the way through. So his totals, his equal fourth in goals, his fifth in total marks, second in contested marks, and fifth for marks inside 50, and he's the only player to have a goal in every round this season. So consistency is his thing. Jeremy Finlayson from GWS was with him this year, but he's nowhere near the player in terms of consistency that Tabiner is, to the point where Finlayson was dropped. So Finlayson was playing okay, but he'd go missing for huge amounts of the game. What Tabiner is doing is taking marks with guys hanging off him, but he's also been doing it in wet weather as well. So I reckon there's been five games this year where he's played in conditions that don't suit his style at all and has still been able to play at a level that sees him in All-Australian contention. Now, if you're looking at his season, we voted on this prior to Round 13, and I think Round 13 emphasised his value to Fremantle. He had seven marks at half-time, and I think three of them were contested, so he basically helped them establish that lead this week just gone, whereas Charlie Dixon, he didn't have the best game. Let's just put it that way. So there'd be a few people looking at maybe swapping them in and out of the team, depending on how they go for the rest of the year. For me at the moment, Matt Tabiner is an absolute lock. I reckon he's probably one bag of goals away from people sitting up and really taking notice of what he's doing in Fremantle. I don't know what is holding the AFL media back in terms of their recognition of him. Can I say Vic Bias? What team did you say you were <laughs> Yeah, you can say that. Fremantle. Oh. Now, the problem with this, is, huh? this right, is that... <laughs> Believe it or not, Western Australia actually has their own newspaper. It's called the West Australian. No way. Coincidentally. <laughs> now, even in that newspaper, he's not getting the recognition he deserves. And to be honest, nor does Fremantle usually. It's basically a, a West Coast town. So if we can give him a little bit of a pump up, I'm more than happy to because he's having a ripping year. And I'm, I'm on the Matt Tab and the bandwagon. Have been since last year, but he hurt himself and spent a lot of time out. This year, he's been fantastic. Mrs. Mungrel, do you know who Eddie Betts is? Yes, I do. Do you think he's cooked? Yes. Oh, good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'll I'll ask a follow-up one for you. What brings you to that conclusion? Aside from the fact that 
the question on the notes is, uh, is Eddie Betts cooked? <laughs> I would say that you've been talking about this year being his retirement tour. It's felt like it. And there was a lot of airtime on Friday night. Like it was Sir Doug Nichols around, just went past. Uh, really nice tip of the hat to Sid Jackson as well as an honoree this round, which was really nice. But a lot of airtime on Friday night surrounded Eddie Betts in the game against Gold Coast. And as far as I could tell, there were a few other um, guys with Indigenous heritage out there. Jack Martin, Sam Petreski, Seaton, Jared Harbrow. Uh, Isaac Rankin as well were all out there. Rankin gets his fair share of attention because people actually are willing him to be great. But a lot of the attention went to Betts. I suppose it's fair enough. He's the elder statesman of the Indigenous crew at the moment. I suppose him and Buddy, although Buddy's... He's out for the year. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a sec. And I suppose everybody wanted to see some Eddie magic. We haven't really been seeing any of that in in the last month of footy. So Betts kicked a goal in this one, made a, made a point of pointing it out in the game, in the after-game interview, and mentioned he started and said, I kicked a goal for you, haven't done it for the last month. And I kind of went, wow, has it been that long since he kicked a goal? So I went back and had a look. The goal he got in this game was basically a handball over the top too. It wasn't really an earned goal. It's the sort of goal you give to the... Hmm, how would I word this? There was a young bloke who played with us when I played football, named Peter. We'll just leave it at that. And Peter's job was to stand in the goal square and wait for someone to give him a handball over the top. And he got, like, probably 10 of them for that year. It was great. Every time he got it and kicked the goal, everyone would celebrate. But you don't want to be known as the guy who gets the easy goals like that. Anyway, he got a... It's called a Joe the Goose. He got that from Zach Fisher. Probably the easiest one you'll get for the year. And every time he had to earn the footy himself, he was absolutely horrible. So usually a small guy's key to their game is their work below their knees. So the ball's on the ground, they can pick it up easily. He was fumbling it all over the place. You can blame the conditions, but other guys were able to hold the ball and to collect the ball. Eddie really, really struggled. And he probably dropped four chess marks as well. So if we're doing stats for dropped chess marks, Eddie Betts, number one ranked this week. A bloke called Michael Gibbons picked up the slack. Now, I watched Gibbons last year, and I was of the opinion that he was in the side because Carlton had no one else to be in the side. But this year, well, he kind of was recruited from the VFL and given a chance. And to his credit, he's really worked on his game. He put a couple of moves on, kicked a couple of goals, and they were earned goals. They weren't gifted. So I was kind of really liked what, what he provided. I'm wondering whether the Blues give Eddie Betts a rest in the coming couple of weeks. You know, I think he's 34. So he's no spring chicken. Um, there was conjecture about whether he'd continue this season or not. Uh, apparently Gold Coast offered him a multi-year deal. They'd be breathing a sigh of relief right now that he signed with Carlton. And if Carlton were languishing at the bottom of the ladder and out of the competition, I kind of understand them continually playing Eddie and I don't want to say carrying him, but giving him every opportunity to make good on what on what he's doing at the moment. But they're not. They're in finals contention. And I'm not really sure you can have someone... I suppose he is taking a good defender. That'd be the, the only upside. But I'm not sure you can have someone out there whose only job it is to occupy space. So I reckon he's got a week or two to turn it around. Otherwise, we might see Eddie back in, a, or back in the grandstand. 
St Kilda, your buddies are in the same boat here, believe it or not. They have a guy in their side who's their captain. His name's Jaron Geary. I'm not sure he's in their best 22 at the moment. Never heard of him. Yeah, he's a pretty... Look, I don't want to diss the guy too much. He's a very unsung captain. He, He's not like your uh, Joel Selwood or Trent Cotchin, who everyone kind of knows. He's a very, I suppose, a quiet leader, quiet achiever. Plays like a back pocket, halfback kind of role. They've been throwing him forward this year. They're trying to keep him in the side. Uh, he's the one who had that big, big gash on his leg last year. Do you remember that? No. Anyway, he did. <laughs> I thought you meant this year. No, no, no. That, that was that was the guy from Collingwood, oh. uh, Isaac Quainer. But last year he had uh, something that happened, and it, he had a huge scar up his thigh, and he got it all stapled and stitched up and came back. Uh, he did a great job earlier this year on Sam Doherty playing as a defensive forward. He was the first one to actually shut Doherty down. It was about round five, six-ish, I think. I don't remember off the top of my head. But if he didn't have the captain next to his name, the captain little C they have on the team sheet, I'm not sure he'd be in the side right now. can pretty much guarantee you he won't be captain next year. They're going to look to move that on. And once that happens, I think he, he'll basically be finishing up. Has there the ever been a team where the captain... Isn't on the side. I'm sure there's been a few. Just because he's a bit off. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's been a few over the journey. It's a question without notice. Thank you. <laughs> Good at that. Good at that. But there's been a few over the journey. Not really recently, though. So there's been captains who have left the club. Yeah. Like, the year they're captain, they've buggered off. So it's not uh, not something that hasn't been done. But in terms of not playing well enough... Yeah, look, there'd been one or two over the journey. I'll do a bit of research and get onto it and put it in next week, I think. Love it. Look at that. Generating content. Look at you go. So, Mrs. Mungrel, I believe you have a couple of members of Mrs. Mungrel's all-star team to come this week. I do. There's no special guest this week, just so you know. I haven't (laughs) added anything and I'm completely unprepared, so if there's a special guest coming out, they'd be just speaking rubbish. I'm bringing in the Hardwicks. Both of them? Yes. Well, you can't have one without the other. What's wrong with you? Well, don't take this the wrong way, but what position will Mrs. Hardwick be in? Oh, you're shocking. Honest question? You're putting a team together. Exactly what she does now. The power behind the throne. Oh. Yeah. You're making her sound a bit manipulative. Well, lots of respect for Mrs. Hardwick here. Yeah. And... The other person, really, is the um, goal umpire I like. You know the one that every time he's on, I go, oh, I like that one. <laughs> he's so you're, great. <laughs> you're recruiting to your team yeah. a goal umpire. Yep. I'm going to pay him under the table and manipulate my way to You should have done break for Carlton. What? That's what they used to do. Really? Oh, look, most teams used to do it in, in honesty. Really? I like that, it. That came out about Hawthorne the other week about payments and you know, Don Scott was talking about it. and Being a bit dodgy? Well, everyone was dodgy in the 80s. I love it. <laughs> it was the era of dodginess. Excellent. So that guy's name is David Roden, and he used to play for Richmond. I think he used to play for someone else, but I can't quite remember. Uh, but yeah, his, his main claim to fame was as... As a Richmond player? Wait, he, he played for Richmond? Yeah. So? Oh, look, another thing you like about Richmond. The Hardwicks and the goal umpire. 
Wow, a real Richmond influence on your team at the moment. I didn't mean that. Now, now I feel bad for not putting St Kilda people in. If she puts Tom Lynch in next week, you oh, know please. someone. You know someone's please. got to her. <laughs> I can be bought, but please. Someone sent some baked goods around. <laughs> Mrs Mungrel's sold out. <laughs> They'd have to be uh, cheese twists. Oh, you can make them. They're good. <laughs> That's true. So I've got a few players here who I believe have been pretty disappointing this year. I want to run you through them. I'm happy to have you comment on them if you have anything to add. Mm. So by all means, if something jumps out at you miraculously, <laughs> you can you can throw a couple of cents down in. the names going, don't know who these people are, but go you on. You know a couple of them. Yeah. So Jeremy Cameron, you know him? He looks like a... Superhero. Yeah, but a cheap cleaning product. Yeah, superhero. he looks like a... Mr. Well, Muscle. Mr. Muscle, yeah. <laughs> so his season, after winning the Coleman medal last year, he hasn't looked desperate at all. And I'm not talking about a day-day scene, <laughs> Joe Canino style. I'm talking about on the field. He seems to be cruising around. And I did hear Dermot Brereton talking about how his running style is to cruise. He looks like he's cruising around, but he's actually running at top pace. I'm not buying that completely, because Jeremy Cameron really doesn't look interested at the moment. He hasn't kicked three goals since round one. So he's kicked a couple of bags of two. But this is a guy who had, I think, 36 goals or something after six, seven rounds last year. People were like, oh, he's going to kick 100. He's going to kick 100. And then he just went goalless, 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 or kicked one here and there. But he's he's out of contract end of this year. And he's playing like a guy... Oh, I actually like GWS, but he's playing like a guy who doesn't give a rat's ass at the moment there's no real pressure he's applying if he's thinking of leaving for a victorian team i reckon be careful what you wish for because if you're playing like this in the fishbowl of melbourne or let's just say he goes to geelong you know in the in victoria the fishbowl that it is i can't see him being given the leeway to play this poorly and not have the blowtorch put on him at GWS, you're playing for a small market team, I suppose. They, don't, they have like 15,000 members or whatever they do. That's completely wrong. Please don't hold me to account on that one. <laughs> Everybody, they have a let lot. us know how wrong he is. <laughs> I told you, when if you want engagement, get something wrong. <laughs> People just jump all over it. But anyway, they, they have a pretty, they have a low membership base. They don't get a hell of a lot of coverage. So when Jeremy Cameron has a bad game for them, it doesn't particularly matter too much it doesn't get smashed in the media if he's playing for let's just pull out a, a team out of the blue let's say Essendon if he plays for Essendon and puts in the sort of performances he has been over the past say six weeks he will get absolutely smashed so you can either stay up in GWS and fly under the radar and if you do want to leave and you go to a Melbourne club and you you know you're in the spotlight you need to perform anyway Alex Sexton one of you like this name. I know Alex Sexton. He's got the porn star moustache too. I'm not saying a word. Look at how mature and responsible I am. Yeah, first time for everything. <laughs> so he, he, led the, he led the Suns in goal kicking last year. It was one of their shining lights. I think he was right up in the Coleman about a quarter of the way through the season. He's 26 years old. He's been dropped for the second time from that side going into round 13. I've often thought that he gets a little bit too goal-centric. He wants a goal. He Basically, the first thought is when he grabs the ball, I'm kicking a goal. 
whether someone's open for a handball or a short pass, he thinks, I'm going for home. And I, I don't mind it too much. Yeah, I don't mind if he goes for goal often. I think forwards have to have a bit of that about them. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks, a couple of times, forwards trying to be too unselfish and at all unraveling. I'd rather a guy take a chance and try and kick a goal than screw around with the ball, lose it, and you don't even get a shot. But uh, I wonder whether he is having any issues with the current coach up there, who you know as... Oh, I'm not going to say it. Oh, you know him as the fat coach. Slightly portly coach. Well, I haven't seen him eating any lollies in the box this year, So, but he's been coaching from the bench. That's probably why he'd have to share them. <laughs> he doesn't like that idea. I'm wondering whether he'll be moved on. He's got some great trade value, and there'll be a few Melbourne teams, and teams all over the place, actually, that would definitely be looking at getting Alex Sexton on board. Bloke called Lewis Jetta, out in West Australia. So... I suppose when you look at him play, he, he's got the sort of foot skills that every team would want. So he gets the ball on a half-back flank, or as you'd call it, back flank pocket small. Yep, beautiful. I know exactly where that is. And the first thing he does is look inboard. So he doesn't want to go down the line, which is the safe option all the time. He looks inboard and wants to transfer play and open the game up. The thing is, he's got the ability to do that. He was left out of the side after round four which happened to be West Coast's third loss in a row. So I don't know whether Adam Simpson, West Coast coach, just so you know, (laughs) looked at him and thought, he looks laconic, because he does. He just looks really relaxed on the ground, always looks like he takes things in his stride. But it can also look like he's not really into the game. And I don't know whether Simpson looked at him and thought, oh, geez, I'm going to give him a rest, because he looks... It's a bad look when you're kind of just ambling around out there and things aren't going your way. They've replaced him with guys like you know Jackson Nelson and, and Liam Duggan who look like they, they're going to attack the football like their life depends on it. So you've got a real contrast between the two of them here. You look at Jeddah, he could have been... Well, he was. He's a premiership hero for West Coast and has been one of the, the best deliverers by foot in the league for a number of years. And now he's sitting on the outer of this side. People have forgotten how potent he can be. He's just not being given the opportunity to do so at the moment. Next up, Adam Tomlinson. He was traded to Melbourne during the off-season. Him and Ed Langdon came across with the express purpose of playing on one wing each. Now, Tomlinson, big boy, really solid and has a huge tank, so he can run all day. Yet I kind of noticed last year when he was at GWS, he was playing on the wing, and he was having very little influence. And I'm like, I actually don't know where this guy's best position is. So Melbourne are now playing him in defence. He's been okay, but he's not doing the job that he was recruited to do. Melbourne have kind of lacked some polish on the outside. Langdon's been really, really good for them. Tomlinson hasn't held up his end of the bargain yet. So I'm wondering whether you give him this year because he's a new player in the system. Do you just allow him that time to to adjust and to, to, to make his game work for the team and make the team work for his game? Or do they just... I actually really don't know what they're doing with him. So maybe he becomes a really good halfback flanker. Who knows? Next one hurts me a bit. Jager O'Meara. 
He's out at the moment with a broken hand, so I feel bad picking on him. But then I look at him like he's a... He's built like a brick shit house. He's a good-looking boy. And I'm like, why, why am I feeling sorry for him? <laughs> he's the number one draft pick in the, in the mini-draft. So when Gold Coast were coming into the league, they were allowed to pick the best 17-year-olds in the in the country. O'Meara, number one. Right, so this is before the draft. They got a leg up before the draft. He had his injury worries up in Gold Coast, and then he was eventually traded to Hawthorne. As you know, people listening, I'm a Hawthorne man. I had really high hopes for O'Meara. And last year when Tom Mitchell went out, I expected him to step his game up and become a match winner. What we found is that O'Meara doesn't deliver the ball well under pressure. He can get it, but he hacks the ball forward at every opportunity. This year he's kicking at 49%. So every second kick goes nowhere, basically. And I'm like... Oh, he's a clearance beast. I really like his contested work, but he's lacking the polish that everybody thought he was going to have. Bit disappointing. Anything to say about Jager O'Meara there, Mrs. Mungrel? No, I'm surprised you're so calm about it. Well, there's nothing I can do to change it. I'm a bit yeah. scared of him if I run into him. <laughs> no, I'm not scared of him. I'll take him. <laughs> he got calf muscles. Damn it. <laughs> I so, can imagine you fighting someone with me just kind of Biting them around their ankles. That was my tactic, biting <laughs> on the ankles. <laughs> I'd be knocked to the ground pretty quick. So Brad Hill from St Kilda. Oh, a bit of a glower. Do you know who Brad Hill is? Got no idea, but that's not the point. Yes, kind of is the point. <laughs> so I think he could have been the recruiter of the year this year. He came from, came from Fremantle uh, and was at Hawthorne originally. He's a running machine. And I heard Jonathan Brown and then his coach basically blame his teammates for not getting him the ball often enough. And I, I took a bit of pause and I was like, hang on a second. This bloke has been running three-quarter pace around the ground. He doesn't get to the right spots. And you're blaming his teammates for not getting him the ball. It's, it's a bit harsh, but... He's had 20-plus touches once this season, and he's supposed to be one of the elite wingmen in the game, getting out, getting space. If he can't find space to receive the ball, I don't think that's his teammate's fault. I think that's his fault. So he hasn't really been... He hasn't lived up to the to the hype. St Kilda have had a couple of others who have, Dan Butler being one, Zach Jones being another, even Paddy Ryder and Dougal Howard. But Brad Hill has been the one who's disappointed there i got two more for you. All right? Okay. Daniel McStay. He's a power forward up in Brisbane. And he reminds me of Homer Simpson. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer got the... He had the crayon stuck in his nose. And every time he kind of learned something new, he'd forget something he already knew. I do. So Daniel McStay <laughs> learns how to take a contested mark and forgets which foot he kicks with half the time. <laughs> It's like he he can't walk and fart at the same time. <laughs> oh, so, I've, so highbrow. Okay. I've yet to see him have a game where he puts it all together. So takes contested marks, goes back, kicks goals. He seems to be able to do, you know, take some contested marks and then he fluffs the kick or he will snap a couple of goals or but he never really has the complete game. And given the situation Brisbane find themselves in, which is 
a team unable to hit the scoreboard meaningfully, a big game from him at some point, I think is almost required. They, they threw out some rumors flying around anyway about them going after Joe Danaher after this season. I'm like, <laughs> at the moment, an in, a guy who hasn't played for basically two years is a better option than Daniel McStay. Anyway, the last one, this one hurts too because I've been on the bandwagon right from the outset. The fog. Oh, so sad for you. You do, really yeah. do like the fog. I do like the fog. I really want him. He reminds me of someone. He reminds me of a wrestler. I think he's got that thing about him where he looks like he wants to hurt someone, but he just doesn't do it. <laughs> and he's just been really below average this year. I was expecting him to make some sort of move. The delivery hasn't been great to him. But I haven't seen any improvement at all from him. It's the lowest goal average of his career, despite the fact he's basically playing out of the goal square. It's his lowest mark, lowest mark numbers of, of his career as well, three years in. And he's yet to have 10 touches in a game. He's got a season high of one goal. And he's supposed to be you know, the, the next big thing. He wears uh, the same number that Mark Rusciuto and Patrick Dangerfield wore at, at Adelaide. And I really think that if you're looking for someone who needs to lift their game in in South Australia, it is Darcy Fogarty before the end of the season. So Mrs. Mungrel, there's some players that I'm very upset with. Well, not very upset, but I'm mildly disappointed with this this year. You don't yep. have anyone because you didn't have any <laughs> expectations to begin with, did you? <laughs> Zero. I think everyone I like is doing well, yeah? Yeah. You Selwood, can... Petrarca, anyone else? Mm-hmm. There's quite a few that you like. Oh, well, let, yeah. Let's go through your your players next week. And we'll, we'll assess their seasons. Oh, lovely. Okay. So this week coming up, we've got the Hawks and Bombers on a Thursday afternoon at a 4.40 start. I mean, yeah, we're all working from home in Victoria, but geez, I've actually got to do some work once in a while. Um, this game probably doesn't mean a lot. Actually, it, it does to some people. It's Hawthorne versus Essendon. They really don't like each other. Are you, why are you looking so quizzically at me? What time is it in Western Australia? Right now? No, when they're playing, how? Two hours earlier, so 2.40. Oh. I mean, they can just take a half day, I guess. <laughs> Why would they want to watch Hawthorne and Essendon anyway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair I call. wouldn't. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but the AFL then makes up for it because they've got Richmond and West Coast. Now, this is actually being played in Queensland. And at the start of the season... This was my pick for this year's grand final. Not who I thought would win, but who actually wanted to to play off. They've got the last three premierships between them. You've got McGovern thundering back into form last week. You've got Richmond players almost being suspended for staging. You know, <laughs> you've got Tom Lynch. I'd love to see a McGovern Tom Lynch matchup this week. It'd be an absolute highlight. Really, really looking forward to that one. You have a tip for that one, Mrs. Mungrel? Oh, I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win. You know, they didn't play well in Queensland prior to going back home. That's all right. They'll That's all right. all right. You think they, they've come out of it better for it? No, but... <laughs> <laughs> there you I'm go, going to say guys. the Eagles are going to win. I'm not doing too bad in my tipping either. So Where are you in the mongrel punt tipping? I think I'm number six. Where am I? Four. Oh, oh, that's good. I've got my eye on a nice jacket. Elizabeth still still winning? For... Elizabeth's blitzing it. Oh, she's, I can't she's even destroying people. To, I don't understand how she's consistently up the top. Because she keeps tipping the right teams. How? <laughs> well, 
She so, obviously knows what she's talking yes, about. Yes, well, maybe she should run her own podcast and then we'll just <laughs> exit stage left out onto our balcony. <laughs> the dogs and the cats. You asked me a question about this before and I forgot what it was, but okay. this is a Friday night special, Dogs and the Cats. This should be an absolute ripper. Oh, I asked you who I should tip. <laughs> yeah, and considering she then instructs me to tip the opposite of whoever she picks, uh, I don't understand why these questions come to me. Port and the Swans, yeah, that is what it is. I suppose the the power need a big win here. The Swans have been up two weeks ago and then rocketed down last week to their lowest score in in decades. So they scored 19 points for the game, which is basically, it's horrid. The Dockers and Giants, this is basically a season ender for one of these teams. One of these teams will be out of contention after this game. And you look at Fremantle, that kick after the siren from Jack Nunes a couple of weeks ago, that might end up costing them a, fi- a final spot. If they can get over the Giants, I, I like what I've been seeing from those guys. They're, they're better than advertised. These and the Saints. Who gets up there, Mrs. Mungle? Your team. This is so stressful. What? We're, we're days away here. I like I like the Demons. You do? Oh, Also, no. I like the Saints. Also, Demons versus Saints. Radley, you're going to have to I get like in it. here and uh, continue <laughs> to sway her over to your way, I'm thinking. <laughs> she oscillates really wildly. <laughs> the Blues and the Pies is the first time in a long while that Carlton Collingwood has actually meant something. This is Carlton knocking on the door of the eight. Collingwood clinging to a spot in the eight. I reckon that... Jeez, I reckon Carlton might smell a bit of blood here. For the first time in a while, they they can really get a hold of Collingwood. Personally, I'd love to see it happen. I don't think it will. But I'd love... I think Carlton would be up and about if they got a win over Collingwood. People like Gab Rossi, they'd be bloody intolerable. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to put up with them. But uh, yeah, and then you've got North Melbourne against the Suns. On Sunday night, Monday, I can't remember. Uh, big chance for, for North to actually get back on the, the winner's list, but the Suns have kind of plateaued, and you're, sh- you're nodding your head. You're thinking Suns are going to win this. Yep. Because? Because I'm going for a St Kilda Suns final still, and it might happen, and I'm no, very excited. The Suns are done. Maybe Why in a couple you say of years. That to me. Because I'm. Could you I imagine know how optimist. many nice baked goods I'd make if it was a St Kilda Suns final? But then if you were really sad about it, you'd probably order some in. Yeah, but then I'd just eat it on my own. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're just being silly now. <laughs> so we'll be back after round 14. Uh, if you've got any questions or want us to address anything, by all means, you've seen at the start of the podcast, Mrs. Mungrel, very, very adept at responding to <laughs> people's uh, people's submissions and requests this is why i don't work with the public (laughs) yeah you kind of used to and you hated it i was terrible yeah a lot of complaints about you i get a lot of emails about you and Uh, i have to delete them before you see them yeah you're a good man looking after me i try anyway guys we'll catch you next week thanks for listening